Welcome to On the Table, a podcast about board games, card games, and tabletop war games. Hey, it's Chase from On the Table Gaming, and welcome back to episode 104 of the On the Table Gaming podcast. And today I'm joined with a longtime friend and supporter, uh, Mike from Off the Wall Games, and he's been playing neutral. Some of you might remember from way back since the start of the game. And today's going to help me make sense of the neutral faction in the 2021 update. And give me some tips as someone who's coming from a background that doesn't get a lot of neutral play, being mainly a free folk player. So with that being said, Mike, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, thanks for having me back on the show. So first off, I mean, you've been on here a few times, but I can't believe I was going back and looking at it. The first time I think you were on was in July of 2019, and you were uh, walking us through with our, with our neutral faction guide. I've stuck it out since then, but... Uh... I feel like the last year almost doesn't count, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, it's, it's 2021 now. It's been it's been a, a quite a bit. And you back then were championing, you know, in those weird, like, kind of ebbs and flows, meta ebbs and flows. You know, there was a while when you, you were championing, actually, then uh, uh, the Bolton Cutthroats and uh, kind of a three NCU approach with Roos Bolton. And I can't remember if that was around the time when Don Schelke started going the opposite direction, doing like really powerful small units. You know, you're you're preaching the word about neutrals back then. And one of the most diehard neutral fans. So it's exciting to get to touch base again now. And what's kind of interesting is that now we're at a whole new edition. It's the 2021 update. Someone who's had a lot of time playing neutrals and now with this new version. What, what might be uh, what you're thinking is like some of the best things that's come out of this for neutrals? Absolutely. Well, uh, first off, we'll say neutrals are in a pretty good place right now. Just kind of the update to the entire game in general and kind of everything being leveled out as far as efficiency and kind of some normalizing of, of points and stuff has really put neutrals in a solid spot. They continue to just be a really good generalist, well-rounded faction. Um, the tactics deck has remained very strong and has elements of control elements of, um, you know, offensive capability and uh, card manipulation, all which, you know, combine to make a really unique play style in a lot of ways. I think really for me, what I'm looking at right now with neutrals is our units are still very strong. One of the main advantages, of course, taking neutrals rather than um, allying them in with another faction is being able to break that 50% restriction for list building. So kind of my approach recently has been maximizing those really um, high value unit units that you would only maybe be able to take one or two of. And, you know, going back to the uh, the uh, old, the old version, I guess, the olden days, uh, you were someone who was a big, a big champion of the Bolton Cutthroats. And I remember that being a unit that when they first started teasing some of the changes, there's a little bit of like sky is falling about that unit. You know, before we get into maybe talking about some of all the, some of these units in, in more detail, um, you know, how are you feeling about uh, the, the changeover of a lot of these core units to the new update? Definitely. Well, we still have, I think one of the most important um, things you can have in list building is a five point unit and a solid five point unit uh, generally be your best source of two activations under 10 points. Uh, that being if you want a combat presence. And I think right now we have a much more interesting choice going on between the uh, Stormcrow mercenaries and the Bolton Cutthroats. Just quick comparison, the Bolton Cutthroats are still great at token generation and tend to be very consistent in combat. Once they're locked in, um, they get uh, re-rolls now and they're still able to spit out um, 
vulnerable tokens. So they're still a great unit. Um, they're kind of our offensive choice. And then on the flip side, you have the more defensive slash uh, flexible choice in the Stormcrow mercenaries, which um, are really kind of like a build your own unit. They're a really efficient way to kind of uh, take a one point attachment and, and fill in some places in a list. So uh, depending on, on how you want to build, you you have two really great options. So a lot of times when you're building out a force, you might have like foundational units that you sort of build your army around, or at least that's like the core chassis that you put in. Uh, do you typically look at, you know, trying to get in two five point units as your, your base when building a uh, neutral force? So one of the really interesting changes that came with um, the current edition was the removal of NCU commanders. And what that did is if you still wanted to run uh, three NCUs, which is uh, definitely kind of a, a meta defining choice, you generally had to take an NCU commander who was going to be a, a zero point activation. That's not really an option anymore. So that's kind of moved the math ra- around a little bit as far as uh, number of activations and the ratio of combat units to NCUs. So what I'm seeing, especially for neutral lists, is typically you're going to be running around seven activations. And really the question is, do I want five combat units and two NCUs? or four combat units and three NCUs. And I think really that's, that's kind of like the cornerstone decision you have to make. Part of that's going to be meta-dependent, what people are playing around you, what kind of lists you're seeing, if you're going from a competitive standpoint or just a personal playstyle preference, whether you want to you know, focus on maybe uh, four elite units compared to uh, moving around uh, five combat units. So, you know, as someone who has spent a lot of time enjoying free folk, neutrals are always one of the blind spots for me, one that I often struggle, you know, not even go- going into, but also, you know, when I, if I want to play a faction, neutrals are probably what I have the least amount of experience with. It's just not something I often reach for, like pure neutrals. Absolutely. So, you know, if I was jumping in with neutrals and I wanted to start playing games with them, you know, what might be the foundational units that I, I would really want to look at and, and maybe spend some time mastering? So that I could have, uh, you know, an efficient style of play in this faction. Uh, Absolutely. I also think you touched on uh, something really important. You know, neutrals tend to be a less represented uh, faction. You don't see them as much as other tables. So that might be really appealing for some players who kind of want to do something a little more unique, something out of the ordinary. And then also... um, um, as you mentioned, you know, a lot of people aren't really prepared for the surprises that neutrals can pull. And that can be really, really satisfying. On their end, it's satisfying. When, when you're receiving it, you're like, what? <laughs> it's, it's, certainly, it's certainly one of the perks of the faction and, and you know, shouldn't be overlooked. Yeah, you, you actually get your surprise strategy where they're actually surprised. You're saying, wait, you're getting to do what from the discard? <laughs> Yeah, it's, you, you can really get into the uh, character of the faction that way. It's a ton of fun. Um, I, I, there's a couple ways to go about it. You know, personally, I might uh, start by looking at some of the commander options out there. Um, right now, House uh, Bolton, the Bolton sub-theme within neutrals, is probably the most well-represented um, between a uh, number of units, which I believe is currently uh, four units. 
and then two independent um, uh, commanders. So you really do have some interesting build options there. Um, that being said, that um, shouldn't limit you by any means. We also have uh, Dario and Vargo who have the uh, Stormcrow and um, Bloody Mummers sub-themes respectively. Um, I would honestly just say pick a unit. If there's a unit you really like, either aesthetically or from the lore, something that really appeals to you, um, definitely go with that. You're going to have uh, way more fun um, getting <laughs> mileage out of it. When you finally get it on the table, you're going to have a really good time picking it up. And then um, kind of just build out from there. So that's a, that's a little bit more fraught and neutral, though. I feel like if you're like, well, my favorite character in the lore is Ramsey Snow. <laughs> Everyone's gonna be like, oh, okay, all right, what do we got here? But listen, we know we know a few people who you know that might be their <laughs> favorite. I won't name any names, but uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> in fact, I think there might be some designers that, but <clears throat> but we won't say anything. About them. But you've always been a, or you know, back when we talked last, I think you were a big Roose Bolton fan. Absolutely. Is that still something you're, you're going to, reaching to as like a go-to commander when you play? You know, one of the first things I looked at was um, Roos with the new edition change, and he's just gotten better on every single front. Um, now, while certainly you no longer get him as a free activation, which, you know, and the state of the game was something that was decided was just... Uh, too powerful and too meta skewing. Um, he's still really excellent right now and fits into a lot of um, play styles, whether you want to do uh, something really defensive with blocks of uh, uh, Blackguard and maybe doing a lot of panic damage, or if you really want to do something uh, a little more offensive, maybe running uh, Bastards Girls and uh, Flayed Men Calvary and really um, taking advantage of kind of the disruptive nature of his cards. I just think he's he's great in so many different kinds of builds. You know, whether you want to do pure, neut pure neutral or not, he, he even uh, works into other factions as well. So my suggestion would be is, you know, maybe if you haven't decided on a faction yet to play, um, neutrals is a really good one because it kind of lets you kind of uh, dip in and experiment with, with uh, different builds and other factions as well. Well, so if I was say, I you know I think the most thing, the, the, the biggest thing I could do to surprise people would be to roll up one time and pull out a neutral force to play. <laughs> If if I wanted to build a a Roos Bolton list, and of course now it it won't be much of a surprise, but uh, if I if I want to build a Roos Bolton uh, list that I wanted to, to roll up and, and play some games with, you know what what might I build as a chassis? Now I'm mostly coming from free folk, you know it might be fun to play something that's a little bit more uh, resilience. I don't run a ton of then, so if I want to maybe build a, a pretty a safe list here, right? That might be a good one to go against like all comers. Absolutely, nothing super like you know not going all. Bastard girls, but maybe working them in there. Uh, nothing too too fragile, too glass cannony. What what might I look at for for building that out? Absolutely. Well, I think uh, right now you could build a really solid core with um, Blackguard. They're in a really good space right now, um, especially with relative attack power on units kind of coming down a little bit. Um, their defensive stats are really going to shine, and so I would say uh, start with at least two units of Blackguard. It's a unit that I found um, has you know, one of the disadvantage of heavy infantry in general is how slow they move. And I found if I just take one unit of Blackguard, um, my opponent can usually play around that either by um, avoiding them or, or getting to uh, pick their uh, fights a little bit better. But if uh, kind of the core of your list is Blackguard, it's inevitably going to be something they have to deal with. So if you have 
to two units of Blackguard marching up the center, um, contesting objectives. Uh, that's a really great start right there. Outside of that, I, um, you're kind of spoiled for choice. Uh, Flayed Men are another fantastic unit that play really well with Roos. Um, and also kind of play into this heavy armor theme while also um, kind of covering one of the main weaknesses of uh, neutrals, which is our uh, mobility. So this is certainly a unit I wouldn't necessarily run out in front, but rather keep as a counter charge unit to protect the rest of your line. Maybe get into the flake, but really uh, try not to overextend with that unit because it's something that can disappear very quickly. Speaking to that idea of mobility, you know, with the 2021 update to game modes, uh, those deployment zones going up to 10 inches, you know, we're seeing kind of a, a standard deployment there. It's a little bit further on some modes than it used to be. So maybe that helps also get you up the field, maybe mitigate some of that speed a little bit. Absolutely. And I think it really helps uh, heavy infantry in general as well. Who might have, you might have to invest in the tactics board really early or in other factions, spend cards to uh, get that movement zone and, and move your stuff up field where here now you're getting, you know, a, f a few, uh, in some cases, uh, extra maneuvers worth of um, range there. So I think uh, this is a place the unit can really shine. Um, one thing I would consider as well, when I look at list building, not only for uh, neutrals, but just for factions in general, is um, having a mobile element. So something like cavalry, which has a really good charge range, but also having a ranged option. And I try and include at least one ranged option in every list I have. All this um, lets you do is kind of um, project an area of threat, and opponents will either have to be uh, very cautious and mindful of how they move up on the rest of your line, but also a uh, late game. It kind of um, gives you a really good piece to uh, threaten the board and, and get in some really essential wounds. So um, our options here are... Uh, dedicated range unit, which is the Stormcrow Archers. Um, and then the other option, uh, more of a, a skirmisher, but also a very aggressive melee unit, is the House Bolton Bastards Girls, which may be one of the best units in the game. I'm, I'm willing to put my uh, money on some, some Some things never change. I think that there's been a contingency of people that have sent, or a contingent of people since the very beginning that always sung their praises even when people in the community sometimes got kind of down on them. Uh, you know, if you wanted to speak in the defense of Bolton Bastards girls or, or to laud, uh, to sing their praises, you know, what makes this unit so exceptional? Oh, listen, they've only gotten better with every iteration of the game <laughs> so far. I almost don't want to say anything because I don't, I don't want, um, uh, I don't want them to get nerfed at all. I'd rather, I'd rather it stay a good secret. And uh, Apparently they've been untouchable though, because I feel like if that's the very beginning, every, hasn't every update kind of increased their power level a little bit? I believe they uh, recently got an increase to their base movement speed as well. And um, <laughs> uh, right now their ranged attack is fantastic. Now they only throw four dice and some of those are going to hit and it never decays it's four 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 absolutely all way down their uh trackers bow uh guarantees the placement of a vulnerable token on the de defender so now you have long range token generation which if you're familiar with the neutral decks at all is a very good just the more tokens you have on the board the better and uh, vulnerable is really going to help you set up kind of a one-two punch on a unit to really take it out. Um, so this unit right here, you know, 
fairly fragile defensive stats, being able to fire your tracker's bow, place a vulnerable token, and then immediately declaring a charge. Um, now with a guaranteed charge range of no less than eight inches, which is well above uh, most other line infantry that's combining the six-inch movement with the uh, two-inch shift off the tracker's bow, by the way. And then also between the two, 10 dice with two panic tests at seven points is really one of the most efficient units in the game right now. Now, do you run these naked or do you often put a particular uh, attachment in there? If I have a point left over, it becomes a pretty tough call now. I'll generally, I'll generally run them without attachments. Uh, improved armaments from the Stormcrow Lieutenant is certainly not a bad choice. And then uh, it's also a great spot to put your commander as well. It's a unit that can tend to hang back a little bit until it's ready to uh, come in and strike and really take out a unit. So uh, definitely a little bit more of a finesse piece, but again, a, a really fantastic place to put your commander as well. So if I've got right now, I've got two House Bolton Blackguards, the Flayed Men, Bastard Girls, they're at 27 points. Maybe we look at some uh, some NCUs and then come back and maybe fill in a few. Absolutely. Now, do you have any go-to neutral NCUs that that you just love to play and that when you build a list, you, you start already thinking like, this is the guy that I'm going to by default probably include unless a very specific situation or matchup dictates something else? So pretty much every list that I have right now runs Peter Baelish. And now that's for a couple of reasons. First of all, he's uh, a four-point NCU, so already our cheapest source of activations that we can put into neutral. But outside of that, if we take a look at the uh, neutral stack, um, we have two zones that are really important to us. Uh, one of those is going to be uh, the letter, which uh, orders, which really helps us set up some of our uh, combo and control elements. And then we have the bag, which allows us to build our defensive stats a little bit as well, but with the inclusion of the Stormcrow sub-theme, also an additional avenue for attack. So Peter Baelish in almost any list is always going to be a great choice. For instance, there's times where you're really going to want the letter early in the round, not really have the tempo or the ability to claim it in a way that it's going to be most effective. So with uh, Peter Baelish's Master of the Game ability, he can once per game at the start of any turn, select one zone, and until the end of the round, you count as controlling that zone. So that can really help us set up some of our, our important cards. Um, so he, nine times out of 10, he's going to be be in my list okay and that brings up the 31 points now with uh you know so much heavy armor here and then our bastards girls you know should we be looking at dropping in two ncus two more ncus what might we pair with this so this is really where we can kind of start making that decision of whether or not we want to go um Infantry heavy or NCU heavy? The advantage of going NCU heavy is we're going to get a little bit more of a force multiplier off of these powerful units of ours. And having more NCUs will help us support units like the Bastards Girls or the Flayed Men, for instance, um, mm -hmm. really kind of get um, a little more value out of them. Um, personally, for me, especially with Blackguard, they tend to be a, um, a, a little more pillow-fisted. They don't have a great... 
um, attack profile, but they do have vicious. So um, one thing I do like to look at for NCUs is uh, Jack and Hagar follow the Red God. Now this is a really versatile piece for uh, five points, and especially in a more control style build, we have a couple options here. We have his first option, choosing a name, which allows him to replace the influence ability of any other enemy friendlier enemy NCU until the end of the round. Uh, now, for our purposes, this will likely be an en enemy NCU, but uh, against certain builds gives us a nice parody or even a nice um, uh, counter that we can kind of uh, bring up in a mirror match kind of way against certain opponents. And then our other option is a name given, which uh, goes on one of our friendly units and gives the unit precision. So something for like House Bolton Blackguards, statistically speaking, you're going to get at least one six on the six dice on your attack profile, meaning um, you're guaranteeing yourself um, vicious off of the spiked flail, mm -hmm. which again lets them hit a little a little harder than their uh, profile might say at first glance. So he's definitely definitely one I'd throw in. And that'll bring up to thirty six points out of forty with no attachments, but a lot of armor, and then our bastard girls ready to, to push out some damage. Absolutely. Now. When you run your black guards, are you? Is there any attachments that you like to throw in there? Well, I think actually for uh, black guards in this list in particular, this is a great spot where to put uh, Roose Bolton. All right, the Leech Lord, or are you looking at commander attachment? Uh, the commander version. All right, we'll drop him in there. So not only that, he's going to give his intimidating presence. So enemies engaged in this unit are going to suffer negative one to morale tests and plus one wound from failing panic tests. And then he can also spread fear when an enemy engaged fails a panic test, uh, targeting other enemies in long range and making them suffer a panic test with a negative one to their role for each remaining rank in this unit and they suffer plus one wound on a failure. This, this that synergizes pretty well. Fantastic centerline unit. It is really, if you're trying to do a panic build or, or trigger a lot of panic tests, this is going to be something that's uh, really going to shine here. And that leaves us with four points. I think at this point, really our only option would be to uh, take another NCU. Alternatively, what we could do would be to swap out Jack and Hagar and maybe free up one point for an attachment if we wanted to do that. But I think, competitively speaking, Tycho Nestoris might be our best bet here. If we're really going for a defensive, uh, tanky-style build, he's really going to play into that well. And his ability, of course, once per game at the start of any turn, restore five wounds across any number of friendly combat units. You know, so that, that can be pretty demoralizing. Once they've they've punched through some of that armor, they've, they've uh, dealt with our horrific visage. And then, um, you know, then we're just like, yeah, we'll, we'll put those wounds back. <laughs> let's let's heal them back up. Absolutely. It's really great on um, flayed men as well. That could be something mm -hmm. that could be very disheartening for an opponent. Um, it's certainly a unit you have to spend a lot of resources to try and take out um, and then being able to pull back you know, up to a whole rank of uh, cavalry could be really upsetting. Okay, so I've got, like, I can I can sit down then with my two units of black guards with Roos Bolton in one. I got my House Bolton Flayed Men, my House Bolton uh, House Bolton Bastard Girls, Baelish, uh, Jack and Agar, Follow the Red God, and Tycho. I, I show up, I can set them down, ready to play. 
But, um, you know, I, I haven't had a lot of time with the neutral tactics deck, though. Are there certain cards that I want to be keeping an eye out for? You know, sometimes you can get a little bit overwhelmed when you're, you're playing a faction you're not used to and you're, you're missing opportunities or triggers. Are there some, some things I should be, you know, keeping an eye out being like, hey, when this card comes up, like you're going to want to use it in this sort of situation? Absolutely. Well, there's a couple cards that are just generally awesome to have that don't require a ton of setup and are, are generally always a happy sight. Um, whether in your starting hand or uh, later rounds. Uh, One of them is going to be uh, Tactical Approach. Um, Now, this is going to increase the combat or defensive output of a unit. Uh, This is something that's very versatile. Gives you an additional bonus if you control the letter as well. And that, too, it's your commander's unit also can give a bonus to it. So that can really pump up your defensive, uh, blocking some extra hits on uh, your your blackguards there. Absolutely. That's really going to make them tanky, man. Um, another one that is just absolutely fantastic and arguably one of the best cards in the deck is going to be uh, Issue Commands. And now, if anybody was familiar with um, the old Tyrion commander from Lannisters, he had an ability to basically skip... Um, his own unit's activation in order to have another friendly unit attack or charge again. Now, this is something that neutrals get a uh, standard, which is fantastic. So maybe you have a House Bolton, um, you know, your, your Blackguard unit is hanging back a little bit, isn't necessarily engaged. Maybe your opponent's avoiding um, attacking or charging it because of, our, of horrific visage. This is a really good way to say, okay, you know what? I'm going to sit here where I am. I'm going to go have my House Bolton Flayed Men attack again or my Bastards Girls attack again. Fantastic, yeah. And that that can be uh, utterly game-winning uh, right there with that card alone. Those dastardly neutrals. <laughs> and then with uh, Roos Bolton himself, he's got a Flayed Man, has no secrets, fear keeps a man alive, and whispered threats. Any particular things that we want to be aware of in using those cards? Okay. Uh, just a quick aside, and the way I, I see this list being uh, played out as um, not being too aggressively, your, your heavy units are going to slow down the rest, rest of your list. I would absolutely say resist the temptation to run forward with your bastards girls or your flayed men, even though as fast as they are and um, the amount of damage they could put out, you really want to keep them there to kind of uh, protect the rest of your line. And then, um, you know, maybe front load your NCUs a little bit, prioritize um, playing the non-combat zone or the politics game. And I think this is really where Roos tends to shine. Uh, you have his card, uh, Whispered Threats, first of all, which allows you to uh, put more tokens on an enemy unit. Yeah, they are not want for the token game here. Absolutely. And that's going to be one of the, the strengths of the neutrals as well, with Adapted Methods as well, which is another one of their cards that's going to let you um, replace one condition token with any other condition token. Um, or if you control the letter, you may move a token from a friendly unit to an enemy unit or between enemy units. So that can be uh, really fantastic as well. His other card, I think my favorite card out of the whole lineup is A Flayed Man Has No Secrets. Now, this is going to double down the importance on uh, condition token management. But what this essentially will do is prevent an enemy unit 
from benefiting from an ability or a tactics card. One of the big changes we saw with the 2021 edition was a significant reduction of kind of this ability to cancel effects or abilities. Um, but Roos has maintained this. Uh, this is uh, absolutely amazing ability. It can allow you to cancel really important tactics cards, such as an opponent's issue commands, or um, I believe correctly, even cancel um, an order on a unit as well. Yeah, I mean, anytime you can just say nope to something, and it's at the cost of a condition token, but you can generate those somewhat handedly so absolutely well this looks this looks fun to play and you know what's cool about this is um you know there is no neutral starter set but we're not talking about anything like incredibly out there as far as purchases right uh we're talking about four units and a hero box um or two hero boxes i guess so you know you're still within that like acceptable realm if you want to jump in with a game and you're like you know for some reason neutrals are the way i want to go you know maybe there are too many free folk players in your your local meta and so you just jump in here with these purchases and five boxes one two three four six boxes you're you've got your full force and with those two hero boxes hero box one and two for the neutrals you got a lot of ways you can switch up just even this base set that you have here Absolutely. Once once you start switching um, commanders to, it's really going to open up um, a ton of options as far as uh, what you could play. I barely scratch the surface of what you could do with with all the different commanders. And this is a pretty standard, you know, Bolton style force. Uh, you know, we also have our the bloody mummer sir- skirmishers. You've got Stormcrow archers, the Zorsh riders. Are there any kind of units in the neutral faction that you feel like maybe sometimes people are sleeping on? Mm. That maybe people are besides maybe the bastards girls that maybe sometimes people. You know, underestimate. I, I really, really like the Stormcrow mercenaries. Uh, and I really think the best use for them is kind of as a home for a two point attachment. And we have some really, really phenomenal um, two point attachments in um, faction, specifically looking at Vargo and uh, Brienne. They're massive force multipliers for what would normally be a seven unit and in, in most other factions is now a six point. Uh, unit in this case. Um, so that is definitely one I would consider uh, looking at. And Vargo giving out uh, Vicious on the unit he's in, Vargo Hote the Crippler, and then each time the uh, enemy that they're engaged with fails a panic test, they become weakened, so giving you a little bit more survivability. And after this unit completes a melee attack, you may expend one weakened token from the defender if you do destroy one infantry attachment in that unit. So, I mean, this is a triple threat. It's really good. We also don't forget uh, motivated by coin, um, which will allow you to use the bag to kind of fish for an extra attack. Oh, and maybe get an, um, either another chance of that uh, weakened <laughs> token or the assassination. Um, oh my god especially with how strong we've seen a lot of three point um attachments be in this edition whether it's uh, a night's watch watch captain or an unsullied officer these are units that um if you manage to take them out um it's essentially like taking out an entire unit as far yeah. as activation uh value goes so it's he's uh it's a very fantastic unit and for only six points, uh, it's a serious threat. Have you had any chance to uh, really experiment and play around with Stormcrow Dervishes? So this is actually another unit. I'm really glad you brought it up. This is probably one of my favorite melee, 
strictly melee units in the faction. Um, they have fantastic speed, just a really solid stat line, a good attack profile, and also probably one of the best places to uh, put one of your commanders. Um, really good uh, action economy, being able to retreat uh, for free from a combat. You can really kind of uh, pick your targets, pick your fights really well in a way that feels traditionally in a faction that kind of struggles with uh, mobility. This kind of gives you some really nice options on that front. And this is a unit that rewards like really smart play too, right? Whereas as your skill increases, you can really demonstrate it with this unit in the directions that you are retreating or the way you are engaging. Um, you know, for those of you that aren't familiar with it, they have uh, a swift strike ability that after they attack, they can perform a retreat action and motivated by coin allows them when you claim the bag zone to replace the zone's effect with a uh, dervish unit may perform an attack action and enemies that this unit successfully charges in the flank or rear become panicked and weakened. So you can really be dancing around the battlefield, you know, getting those angles that you need to stay safe or to uh, get in there and to think of things. Absolutely. I really think the, the strength of our faction is our seven point units is our eight point units you know this is stuff that um a lot of other factions are lucky if they could take one or two of and i think here we really have the capability to take advantage of that and really make it our strength so you know taking a couple of units of bastards girls taking a couple of units of flayed men a couple of units of dervishes or hedge knights these are these are all really, really high value, very efficient pieces. Um, and I think that's where you're really going to see the three NCU style builds shine. Now, you know, you brought the Hedge Knights. That's one of the more recent additions to the faction. Uh, one of the things that you see across a lot of these units, uh, especially like your Storm Crows or your Hedge Knights, is benefits for when you control uh, the wealth zone or certain zones on the tactics board. Um, and, you know, that also then means there that you can sometimes have opportunities, especially as a newer player, to maybe have some misplays or have a more skillful opponent kind of shut down your game. Is there any advice you could give to people starting out with neutrals to not fall into those sorts of traps, to really set yourself up for success in having these kind of force multipliers actually be able to go off? That's a really good question. I think, first of all, just being aware of the tempo of the game. You know, if I grab this zone, what's my opponent going to do? Maybe try to think a move or so ahead. I think as you get into the late game, uh, mid to late game, you tend to see whatever player has uh, priority is will typically grab the swords as soon as they can. Um, so ju just be mindful of that. Be mindful of uh, when your opponent might want to heal. Try and think a step ahead. Uh, I also would advocate against not having too many instances of motivated by coin. Now, it does give you some nice uh, vectors for uh, roots of attack. It can be kind of overwhelming, too. It can be <laughs> like... overwhelming, and you can have diminishing returns. So I would really just... Uh, that relationship between the NCUs and what you have on the board is definitely really important. And something I'm still learning, even after, you know, over two years now, it's something I'm still learning about and experimenting with and uh, trying to master, which I really, uh, I think, speaks to the depth of the game that's been created here. I mean, yeah, that's, a, that's what keeps bringing us back. <laughs> 
<laughs> there's always something new. And then, of course, as soon as you get that down, you know, there might be a new unit coming out or people start to adapt to that. Absolutely. Have you had any experience with the Bloody Mummer uh, Zorse Riders? And I know in some metas, I know out in Arizona, people were saying they were getting a lot of mileage out of it. Oh, sorry. Uh, out in Texas, they said they were getting a lot of mileage out of it. And I think it was in San Antonio. But, you know, I know in other places that's kind of hasn't really made a blip much at all. But I think they're a great unit. The only difficulty is, is we have so many other fantastic options at the same price point. I think if you're running Vargo, um, first things first, if you're running Vargo as a commander, you should take a unit of these. A, to play off of the synergies, but B, it's just a really fantastic disruption unit. This is something you could, maybe if you wanted to do a little more control-focused uh, roost list, you could drop the flayed men and free up a spot for the bloody member Zorse riders and another attachment. I mean, this lets you, uh, it's very rare to be able to shut off the abilities of a unit in this game at any point. So the fact that they have that built in as kind of one of their defining features really makes them a strong consideration. In some places, depending on what your local meta is, uh, maybe if you like playing tournaments, depending on what the local scene is, they might be a much stronger choice. And I mean, that, that Motley armaments they're talking about with the ability, if you charge in the flank, you know, you get to uh, get plus one attack to critical blow. But really, the, the key thing there is the defender loses all abilities this turn. And, you know, they're elusive. They got elusive. Uh, they may reroll any retreat distance die. And the enemies that they disengage with uh, may not pivot and become weakened. So you can get a little bit of hit and run there, but maybe not something you're going to want to like double down on, like you were talking about earlier about how you might want to run, you know, two flayed men or, you know, two blackguard units. Uh, maybe, maybe uh, they're a little bit more pillow fisted compared to some of the other options you might have. Yeah, they're definitely more of a finesse piece and having the requirement of needing the flanker rear to get the um, bonus. If you're running uh, two units, it seems unlikely that you would. Um, be able to get the flank, whether uh, I notice most uh, players might uh, deploy to one side in a refused flank style deployment to kind of um, block one of their sides with the board edge, or they might have a very mobile countercharge um, style unit on their own flank to kind of uh, protect against this sort of thing. Uh, that being said, when it does happen, uh, the, if you could set this up right, this is a really devastating piece. And then we, we talked about the Bastards Girls, but uh, and we had weighed them off against Stormcrow Archers. How do you how do you make that decision in your list? Are there certain things you're looking for when you want to take your Stormcrow Archers maybe over your Bastards Girls? So the Stormcrow Archers are definitely more of a dedicated range unit. You're throwing a lot, um, just about twice as many dice as the Bastards Girls and their Mercenaries Longbow ability tends to get more powerful the more zones you control. So in some, if you're playing a really defensive NCU heavy list, this is actually one would work great in our Blackguard list if we wanted to swap out the Bastard Girls. It's really player preference. But also mm -hmm. maybe in a list where you're running five combat units and having a reasonably priced six-point range unit in there is really going to help support the rest of your list. And I think the only unit we didn't touch on here is the Bloody Mummer Skirmishers uh, at their yeah. six-point option. And they've got their Mummer's Blade. If attacking an enemy that 
that has not activated this round before rolling attack dice, the defender becomes weakened. So you get some token generation. They've got counter strike. When an enemy attacks them, each time the enemy misses, for every miss, they suffer a hit. And then they got Disrupt, which really synergizes well with that. And the enemies that are engaged with the unit, they suffer negative one to hit them. So it's hard to hit them, and they take wounds when they try to do it. They got a four-plus attack profile, five-plus armor, which is maybe not anything to write home about. But, you know, really, they could be a great another support piece there. Have you run those often? And, um, you know, how do you kind of fit those into your lists? What are you looking for to uh, maximize these? Again, this is... uh almost a must take if you're running uh, Vargo as a commander just because his cards are going to uh, really help you kind of bring them to the next level. This is another uh, unit I see as being in a lot of ways a great support piece though they're really good on their own against kind of generic line infantry um, anything that's hitting up on a 4 plus or worse um, yeah, free folk bane. Yeah, this is this is they're really a bully unit. They're there to bully. Just keep the people. clowns away from my free folk. They're scary. Or again, too, you know, maybe you uh, maybe you have a unit that's struggling a little bit. Um, you can send uh, the bloody mummer skirmishers in to help them out. Now your opponent has a tough choice. You know, do they keep attacking that other unit uh, with a minus one to hit? Maybe like a unit of blackguard. Or do they um, try and uh, finish off the skirmishers first to get rid of that disrupt, but then maybe have to deal with counter-strike on the flip side? Uh, again, they're a great unit. We're just we're so spoiled for choice at six points. But maybe you want to run a little bit more of a, a mobile or finesse-based list and uh, Blackguard don't really fit in, I would absolutely do the uh, skirmishers. And they're such great looking miniatures too. And then maybe if we could speak to, if you're not, if you're going to run a two list format and maybe you don't want to run Roos in both lists, you want a little bit more variety there. What might you go for? What's, what's your go-to pick for maybe a second commander? So one commander I've really been enjoying and I think just looks great. And uh, the current iteration is uh, Darion Harris. All right. Now on his own, um, he, Gives whatever unit he's in motivated by coin and um, affiliation storm crows. So uh, he will really let you use any any infantry unit within all of neutrals and make them a storm crow friendly unit there to play off his tactics cards. Um, I think that alone is really great value and something to consider as well when building a list is. You, know, you don't have to take all Stormcrow units. If you really want to maximize your cards, you can take a Bolton unit or a Mummer's unit and safely put your commander in that unit and, and gain the full faction benefit right there. I always get a little bit nervous with uh, his reckless strikes. You know, the attack gains critical blow of precision, but the attacker suffers one wound for each attack die roll of one. Yes. <laughs> but you guys save it off, save it for the charge, I guess. So this is actually one I really like to put uh, Brienne as an attachment and one of the units alongside uh, Dario. Um, with Nightly hmm. Vow, she's going to give a unit uh, plus one to hit. You're really going to be able to take advantage of... You know what? Actually, scratch that if we could. Okay. Yep. <laughs> I have a few thoughts about that, but uh, um, but I look at it again, and it, Reckless Strikes is really good with anything. Um, the more dice you're throwing, the better it is. 
And again, on a Stormcrow unit, uh, being able to reroll the highest attack die value. One thing traditionally neutrals have uh, suffered with is the inability to uh, crack through armor. Uh, Sundering mm-hmm. is pretty few and far between, and precision as a mechanic uh, tends to be pretty rare. So being able to guarantee both critical blow and precision is a, is a huge fo- uh, force multiplier. I feel like I just got to get over my own inhibition here. I'm just so used to uh, my cave door savages with their frenzied swings in the free folk. Or when you you roll your attack and then you roll for each one you suffer a wound and uh, it's just you have some moments where it's like oh god what happened I've seen entire units go to really unfortunate rolls and if you're um, weakened it's definitely not an ability mm-hmm. you want to use but again it's it has reckless in the name when it pays off it's great. Um, when exactly. it doesn't, it's kind of hilarious. So you just you remember the highs, but you remember the lows. Exactly. Really, the thing about his cards is he's just um, really well rounded. He plays into this kind of all comers theme in in the neutrals. Uh, he has cell swords bravado, which again helps with your uh, token generation by creating uh, panicked and weakened tokens on an enemy unit. And then we also have cell sword negotiations, which is going to basically always allow you to uh, count as controlling the bag, um, which is really important for uh, your Stormcrow attachments, uh, the bonus from improved art- um, armaments and pretty much setting up um, a good portion of your tactics cards. So we got a kind of a good idea of maybe you're just diving in. There's always a lot to explore. We could probably talk at length about, you know, even just, you know, some of the subsets here and the different ways that we can incorporate like attachments. Are there any kind of holes that you feel like the faction has at this time or or things maybe you'd like to see in the future? Yeah, I'd be really curious to see some... uh, maybe neutral only units or attachments. I think that would Mm. open up a little more uh, design space. I would argue one of the strengths of the um, faction from kind of a collector's standpoint is that you can pick up some neutral units and maybe let's say you start a new faction um, that isn't neutrals or you already have an existing faction. You can you can safely slot in these um, neutral units or neutral attachments and kind of open up some interesting builds that you couldn't have before. Um, also, on the same time, from a design standpoint, you have to be careful because you 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 can't give them everything because now everybody is going to have access right. to that, except the free folk, of course. I'm sorry to say. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. That gets it. Yeah. Trust me, people. I, I get like random messages from people just to remind me. No coin on the wall. Thanks. <laughs> Yeah. But, yeah, I think that is one of the challenges, though, right? I know a lot of people will be like, when are we getting a neutral siege weapon or uh, a war machine? And it's like, well, man, every faction having this, you know, that could be really interesting as far as balance or even just kind of keeping it cool and unique. Right. Uh, I think. But I, if it was like specific to the neutral faction only, that, that might be interesting. And again, I think it would give you a little more um, uh, design space. It would uh, maybe let you. Um, address some of the inherent uh, spots in the faction that uh, maybe aren't as strong without necessarily unbalancing everything for all the factions as a whole. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm also, as a big fan of the books, um, kind of all all the uh, 
deep lore, whether it be uh, Fire and Blood or the uh, histories of the Atlas book, the uh, Golden Company is something I'm really looking forward to, hoping that, you know, they kind of get a cool spot in the neutral faction as kind of the most uh, uh, well-known and and, uh, well-trained mercenary company in the entire setting. Um, They also have really cool lore ties to um, the Targaryens and the Blackfire rebellions. So they're really just like... They're kind of one of those, um, you know, deep lore uh, kind of factions that may seem uninteresting on the surface, but really have a lot going on and some really uh, potentially interesting characters. So um, you you and Cersei Lannister just been waiting for them. (laughs) I don't think she can afford them. Well, fantastic. It was fun also just to kind of catch up with you. I can't believe I think it was. what, What episode was that? Did I say it was like 39? It was early on for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Episode 39. It's so, so long years ago. And I think we actually met at a tournament and in Rhode Island. Was it Captain Con? It was Captain Con. I think it was the first. It was right after the game's release. So only there were only three factions at the time. We had um, uh, Neutrals, uh, Starks, and Lannisters. And it was really just kind of a small tournament, but it was uh, one of the first ones that had been run since the game was released. And, uh, you know, I know with with COVID kind of easing in in our general area, I'm looking forward to trying to make my way up to you guys in Massachusetts. Uh, If people live in Massachusetts or uh, New England, where might uh, you recommend that they can go to look and gather as things start to open up to find some of Song of Ice and Fire play? Absolutely. Well, I'd be remiss to not um, uh, mention my uh, local store uh, <laughs> off the wall. I've been going there for years. Um, really phenomenal community, and um, they really stuck it out through COVID. And we really have a, a great selection of Song of Ice and Fire players there. So we're hopefully... I'm going to start our Friday pickup games again. Uh, you know, there used to be a time you could walk in and see uh, you two to four games of song going on every Friday. So uh, hopefully looking into going into that. And then I believe there are one or two shops over closer to the East Coast. So uh, if you're in the Boston area, there's a spot out there, I believe, Alpha Omega Hobby. Um, we've gone there for tournaments as well. And they're also really, really nice shop. But uh, yeah. Well, we'll have to talk about maybe getting something going with some a little tournament or something or just unite the clans. Yeah, we're overdue at this point. I think everybody between the addition um, change and everything opening up, I think folks are really excited to start playing games again, which has been uh, nice to see. Well, absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on here and talking about neutrals. I can't promise if I come on up there that I will bring neutrals. I might just bring my free folk, but right. I'll be tempted. Or you're going to show up and you're going to be like, oh, really? This this list, uh, Blackguards <laughs> and the, like, we literally just talked about this one. And I, then you can tell me how I can play it better. Oh, you can, be you can great. teach me your ways. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, if you show up with neutrals, uh, I might show up with free folks. So we'll see. Oh, <laughs> well, you know, now that's tempted. Is it weird? I get kind of worried. Like, you know, I feel like I got to travel with my free folk in tow. So um, <laughs> but if, you're, if you're not playing neutrals, I feel like we get we both get a pass, though. Right. No, the sky's This might, might be a thing. Point, you know? 
Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much for coming on. No, thanks for having me. Thanks for letting me uh, rant at you about neutrals. So. No, I love it. Are you kidding me? I just like to hear people talk about things they're passionate about. And I know that you have such a depth of knowledge. I've heard back in the day, too. <laughs> Yeah, do, you, do you miss any of that? Do you miss any of those old panic rules where you'd roll, you'd take the 2d6 wounds? Uh, you know, those bastard girls back then. <laughs> like, you're snake eyes you twice. Don't, you yeah. don't really need a, a flow chart or um, to re remember your, your second grade edition um, classes on the fly there. But I'm, I'm, you know, honestly, the normalization of the uh, panic has been really nice. And um, I think it's easier to, it's not as swingy now. I think there's a lot of feel bad moments where, where folks would just rule really poorly and, and lose a unit. So I, I like where it is right now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, we'll get, we got to catch up some more maybe off air here or afterwards here. Yeah, but sure. yeah, um, sure. thank you so much for coming on. And in the meantime, I hope you get your miniatures on the table. Uh-huh.